The Secret is out. Victoria's Secret saying goodbye to hundreds of stores. It's ailing business further crippled by the pandemic. And this is big. It is alumni week and we are thrilled to have Danielle Town, author of Invested and uh, also the podcast by the same name, I should say, uh, with her dad, Phil Town. This is Money with Friends for Wednesday, May 27th, 2020. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, host also of the Financial Grown-Up podcast, coming to you from Lake Mayapak in Putnam County, New York. And I'm Danielle Town, investor and writer, and I'm coming to you from my quarantine lockdown in Zurich, Switzerland. We're going to talk about that. This is the Money News Show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape, like Danielle Town. We break those stories down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. And by the way, this episode of Money with Friends is sponsored by Tiller, your financial life in a spreadsheet automatically updated, updated each day. Go to to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF for a free trial, 20% off your first year. And of course, you will be supporting the show. All right, Ms. Town, welcome back. Second show Thank in a row. Thank you. I love doing this with you. It's so much fun. Um, we talked yesterday about Warren Buffett. Today, we, we were both saying we're children of the 80s. We're going to be talking about Victoria's Secret, which certainly <laughs> was symbolic of so much that was going on at a certain era, maybe not so much anymore. You know what? I love talking about Victoria's Secret with people because everybody has an opinion about that company and that brand. And it's these days usually not all that favorable. So it's interesting to see how the company and the stock are starting to reflect what you hear on the street. Exactly. And then, of course, this pandemic, which only made things worse because yes. they were going to be. Well, you know what? Let's hold that thought. Let's see which one of our friends is going to bring us into the story. This is Tim from the Faith and Finances podcast. Headlines ripped from the financial press only at Money with Friends. All right, Danielle, why don't you start out reading and uh, you let me know when you want me to pick it up. Okay. So this is by Mary Hanbury in Business Insider. Headline is Victoria's Secret will permanently close 250 stores in the U.S. and Canada as the pandemic cripples its business. Victoria's Secret announced Wednesday that it plans to... Oh, wait, Bobby, am I supposed to read the bullet points? Yeah, we can read them. So at the top, they have some bullet points kind of pointing out the most important stuff. Yeah, let's do that. Why not? Okay. Victoria's Secret's parent company, L Brands, announced on Wednesday that it will permanently close 250 stores in the U.S. and Canada in 2020. The news comes just weeks after L Brands confirmed that a deal to sell a majority stake in the company to the private equity firm Sycamore Partners had fallen through. Sycamore Partners filed a lawsuit to back out of the deal, alleging that Victoria's Secret's actions taken during the coronavirus pandemic were in violation of the agreement that the two parties previously made. So, the main body of the article, Victoria's Secret announced Wednesday that it plans to permanently close 250 stores in the U.S. and Canada in 2020. Its parent company announced the news in a commentary alongside its first quarter earnings results reported after the market close. Victoria's Secret currently has 849 stores. Wow. In North America, the majority of these locations have remained closed since March after the coronavirus pandemic hit the U.S. Bobby, you go. Uh, news of these store closings came just weeks after its parents co parent company, L Brands, confirmed that a deal to sell a majority stake in the company to the private equity firm Sycamore Partners had fallen through. Analysts were banking on Sycamore to 
execute a turnaround at Victoria's Secret and reposition the brand for the future after several years of sliding sales. But Sycamore Partners filed a lawsuit to back out of the deal in April, alleging that Victoria's Secret actions were in violation of the agreement that the two parties had made in February after initially saying it would, quote, vigorously defend the lawsuit and that a termination of the agreement was, quote, invalid. Victoria's Secret later confirmed that it had come to a mutual agreement to terminate the deal. The company said it stood by its goal to spin off Victoria's Secret brand, which consists of Victoria's Secret lingerie, Victoria's Secret beauty, and pink to establish an independent company. So what do you think about this? I mean, to me, this is just like such a long time coming. Victoria's Secret has been going down and down and down for years. It's really been struggling against these new brands that offer body positivity and lower prices and not trying to do the whole sex sales thing. Women just aren't going for that anymore. And that's been happening for a long time. So it's not a surprise. What is unfortunate for L Brands is that they couldn't even sell it at this point. So uh, with the coronavirus, um, they had had a decent deal with Sycamore Partners, and now that's fallen through. And so how it's going to be interesting oh, to see how they manage to deal with this, or if they even can going forward. And what's interesting is that the you almost think that they, the, the pandemic, because, so a lot of what was going on behind the scenes is that there was an agreement that they had to keep, you know, keep up the stores and the marketing and all that stuff until the deal came through. You couldn't just sort of walk away and let the stores fall apart before the deal closed just because they had this agreement. So because of the pandemic, Victoria's Secret was forced to close the stores and Sycamore was able to use that as a way to get out of the deal. So that was sort of a controversial legal thing happening behind the scenes. The question is, were they trying to get out of the deal even before then? It's hard to know. Yeah. And we don't know. I mean, it's a very common clause in an M&A agreement to have to keep up the standard of whatever company is that, company it is that you're selling. So that's not unusual. It's pretty interesting that they were able to use a forced closure of stores to qualify as a essentially a get-out-of-jail-free card. And yeah, I mean, I haven't read the agreement. I don't know the details of it, but um, I think the bottom line is this buyer did not want to buy this company at, right. and, at the end of the day, and, and they used whatever they could to get out of it. And I should point out, by the way, you are a lawyer by background. Yeah, and I've done a bunch of M&A deals, so I've, I've read a few of these things. So it's an interesting one, and it's one that's not unique in this situation. Um, there, there are other companies that have had sale agreements and the question the, and this hasn't happened exactly they haven't the buyer hasn't dropped out yet but um it'll be interesting to see like what happens with tiffany's um if they continue to if their sale goes through it's interesting. We taped this this uh, podcast live in front of our Facebook Live audience. You can join us on the Stacking Benjamins page, which is facebook.com forward slash iStackBenjamins. We've got a great audience with us today participating in the discussion. We have Sarah here. Um, and this is, I love what she's saying because it really rings true. I'll tell you why in a moment. Sarah, here, you can read her comment, Danielle. Sarah just says simply and to the point, the quality of their products isn't great either. Yeah, exactly, Sarah. It's not been great for a long time. Their prices do not equate to what you actually end up getting as far as quality. And everybody's known that for a long time, but they were able to skate on being this like Victoria's Secret sexy brand, I think for probably a decade or two. And, um, and, you know, the chickens are coming home to roost these days. It's interesting because a lot of, so the people they were marketing to 10, 20 years ago are now older and maybe don't want that kind of 
product. And then the younger people, and I'll point to my stepdaughter who did give me permission to say this. She said, you know, she says, I used to buy that. And I remember when she was younger, she would buy the pink brand, which is sort of aimed at younger, younger people. And she would buy, they had cute bathing suits and stuff. But she said, she just, exactly what Sarah was saying here, that the quality is not what it used to be. And frankly, like so many people, she's shopping just on Amazon. She's not shopping necessarily for any specific brand. She's not a creature of the malls. I mean, we grew up with the malls. We joke about we're kids of the 80s. That's not her background. She's used to the internet and she's buying what she used to buy at Victoria's Secret just from Amazon. So true. And I think that you made a great point that she's not she's not going to the malls that we used to go to. And that's really what we can take from this Victoria's Secret situation retail is changing. This is not just about Victoria's Secret, although it's a great example of a failing brand, but it's also about so many retail stores and department stores that have been dying a slow death for the same amount of time Victoria's Secret has, the last 10 to 15 years. And now this lockdown that we've gone through has just finally accelerated what has been coming. Um, And I mean, we're seeing it in bankruptcies in the last two months of huge names, Neiman Marcus, J. Crew, J.C. Penney in Canada, Reitman's, which is a huge department store, True Religion brand. There are so many names that have filed for bankruptcy just in the last two months. So it's not just Victoria's Secret having these problems. So many brands that you think are iconic and forever brands and you assume will do well, both high end and low end. I mean, the, you know, mm-hmm. we had Barney's went completely goodbye finally after years of struggles and, um, you know, Neiman Marcus. Now we don't know what that will, you know, not all of them go goodbye. Some of them can get investors and yeah. can recoup in bankruptcy. So we don't know that Neiman Marcus won't, won't come back and same with J. Crew and so on. Um, Jim Wang in our audience, who's also an alum, welcome back, Jim. Um, he says social media is this generation's mail. Mall, sorry. Generation's mall, oh, social yeah. media. Read, yeah, they shop Instagram. Um, totally true. And I think I, I'm really actually, it's sad for these brands that we've known for a long time and many of them are beloved. And as you said, it doesn't mean that they're going to go away. It just means that they're restructuring their business. So we'll see how they come out. But I personally find the retail space so exciting these days because we're in this massive transition from old brick and mortar, go to the mall to buy your stuff to online only. But we're I mean, the thing that I take out of the lockdown is that online only is never really going to happen. We are people who love to connect with each other and love to go out and be in spaces together. So I don't see retail actually really going away, but I think it's going to change drastically. And again, a really cool thing that's come out of this lockdown situation is that it's accelerating that process. So I think we're going to start seeing much more um, combination, much more integration between brick and mortar retail and online. And how that's going to look exactly, I don't know, but it's really exciting to be in a space where it's not, it's not often in life where you know that you're where you're in a transition period and you know that it's happening you can see it happening at the same time and and sort of live it as it as it goes through it's it's pretty exciting especially as an investor but also just as a person in the world it's cool to see how things are changing and we have brian here with us you want to grab that comment danielle so brian says i live like 10 miles from the mall of america here in minnesota 
they really seem to be changing to an experience-based model as opposed to focusing on shopping. That's really interesting, Brian. Uh, yeah, I've looked a bit at retail spaces and malls and stuff because people are trying to figure out, uh, is this something that's going to die or is it something that investors can turn into a useful space? And Mall of America has a lot of issues because it's so big. So actually, I'm quite curious what they're doing um, because it's just such a huge space. Um, maybe you can tell us what kind of experience-based stuff they're doing. I'm curious yeah. about that. Yeah, it'll. it's interesting because also with the social distancing that we need to have at least until there's a vaccine or some change that we get out of this pandemic environment, having more space is probably a good thing overall because you have more options. But of course, it's a lot more to clean and to monitor and to manage. So it'll be interesting how those, those kinds of experiences evolve. I also think it's interesting generationally. So the millennials, and we're going to stereotype a little here, they moved online, like my 23-year-old stepdaughter, who's sort of at the edge of millennial. Um, but then you get to my 12-year-old son, and he really does value going into a store. He likes to feel the material. And he will actually say that. Agreed. He'll say, I want to go in and feel that jacket mm -hmm. at the Gap or whatever it is yeah. that he needs to get for school. And and so I, there is sort of this re-appreciation of that. And even with books, people want to read actual physical yeah. books more because your eyes get mean. tired. That's not going away. And to your point, like we're going to have that sort of retail experience. It's just going to be done differently. So like Amazon, to your point about books, Amazon is opening up physical bookstores, not all over the place, just in big metropolitan areas. But what they're doing is they're only putting books in there that are rated four stars or are bestsellers on Amazon. So you're going into a bookstore knowing that you're going to find stuff that other people really like. Another example, Anthropology created this wedding line called BHLDN, I want to say. Um, it's like an, yeah. an acronym of something. <laughs> and they, they started it out being only online. And then people wanted to try on the dresses and actually touch the accessories and see what they looked like together. So they ended up opening up physical showrooms of this wedding line. So that's a case where online turned into physical retail. So that's what's it's going to keep happening like that. And they're going to work out kind of like what the best mix is and how that's going to work for rents is the big question in these retail spaces. Yeah. But yeah. We're, we're never going to go online only. So Andrew's saying, oh, to to this point, yeah, Andrew's saying Target has done a great job of online orders and using its locations for returns. Yeah, totally. Target has done a really good job of that. Um, also, companies that are offering curbside pickup have done really well in this lockdown situation. So you spend all your time picking exactly what you want, go in and just grab it off the curb. It's, per it's perfect. Like this, this is where we're going. Yeah. And I think that this Victoria's Secret situation is showing how a company that's behind the curve is not going to make it. Right. Their stores look to me, and I might be wrong, but to me, they look very similar to when I was growing up. So they really, you know, there've been, I'm sure, lots of little tweaks, but the basic floor plan and the way that things are set up is very much familiar, which may not be the best thing um, because it doesn't always look fresh to new people and it doesn't always um, invite people to necessarily shop there when they can buy that kind of thing. And a lot of what they sell is something people maybe want to buy privately. Um, Adrian saying something near and dear to my heart as someone who is petite, I need to try on the clothes to make sure they fit. And that's so true, especially women's clothing. Every brand has mm -hmm. different sizing. It's really challenging. It's really annoying. 
All I right. would like some oh, online company to, to fix that situation. Yes. Well, <laughs> it's coming. Them... At some point, we're going to be able to just send in our measurements and they're going to say exactly which clothes fit on that given day. The problem is that women change like week to week. So I don't know how that's going to work out exactly, but we're going to get there. Yes. It, it's tricky because not only do the clothing brand sizes changes, but our sizing, our own personal size changes exactly. all the time. So, well then, and then we can have a whole other discussion. It's another show about the clothing rental companies, which are, which are great oh, for that. Fascinating. Yes. Yes. Okay. Next time you come back, we will do that. I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for a moment. Before we get to our takeaways, I do want to thank Tiller for sponsoring this episode of Money with Friends. It allows us to be organized. We can manage our money 10 times faster with a spreadsheet. No excuse, you guys. We're all home or most of us are home. Get organized with your finances. They will connect your bank to Google Sheets or Excel, and they'll track your daily spending transactions. You can look up what your balances are. And it doesn't, you know, it allows you to customize these so you can have it look the way that you want and make it um, fit into the way that, I mean, everyone processes money differently. We all like to look at things in different ways. So Tiller helps you do something to organize that makes sense to you. And then you put all your data in once and then it's all there for you and it updates every day. So you can just do it once and then it's all there for you. And at least you have some sense of how much money you have to go spend wherever you are buying things, even if it is no longer Victoria's Secret. Go to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF for more info, a free trial and 20% off your first year. And by the way, I do want to thank, we have a really active audience here on Facebook. So everyone, we more is better. Um, thank you so much for all of your comments. We could not get nearly all of them in, but we see what you're saying. We appreciate your support. I know you're all here because um, we love having Danielle back. Um, but everyone should join us on facebook.com forward slash iStackBenjamins to be part of our audience and uh, get a shout out and be part of the show. All right. Takeaway time, my friend, Danielle. Well, I have to add that Brian came through on what's going on with Mall of America here. So he says mini golf, escape rooms, arcades, amusement parks, restaurants, clubs, weird stuff. That's what Mall of America is doing. So my takeaway is exactly what, what Brian is saying here. We're moving away from just purchasing at a store towards experiences. And I think that this latest casualty of Victoria's Secret and the demise of traditional retail stores is just an example of what's going on. And, and the larger view is that as we move towards cashless purchases, touchless purchases, online purchasing, our in-person experiences aren't going to go away, but they're going to be much better integrated in that online experience. And I think it's a great opportunity for smart long-term investors, because this is going to be a longer-term transition, to choose really innovative companies who are creating this new world for us and who are working to make it work better. And it's really fun to go along for that ride. That is very well said. And I enjoy coming along for the ride to see all these different changes that are happening. And, and it is interesting, you know, we talked to, with our audience, especially about how these retail spaces are adapting and making themselves really destinations. I think when we all can get out into the world more, that will be even more appreciated than it was. Um, there's nothing like taking something away to make you really understand how much you really valued it. And I think that's going to be interesting to see. Victoria's Secret, look, who knows? I don't believe in ever counting anyone out. You never know what's going to happen. They are closing about 250 stores, but they still have probably 500 plus left. And mm -hmm. if there is value there, another 
white knight will come in and give them some money and maybe some innovative marketing ideas. Many companies have risen when you were not expecting them to. So we'll see what happens. But the truth is getting older is tough, especially when the world around you keeps changing and we have to adapt and really kind of look ahead to where these cultural trends are saying. I mean, our audience member, Brian, really said it. It's important to know that these are about experiences. And that's a unique, difficult challenge maybe for Victoria's Secret. They were doing so much branding with these very sexual um, runway shows and the models. And there's been a lot of controversy behind the scenes. We didn't even get into that. Um, Mm -hmm. But for now, lesson for Victoria's Secret, lesson for all of us, stay relevant or risk becoming obsolete. So Ooh, nice one. I know. Was that a little bit harsh though? I like it. I don't know. That's, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And they've had time. This is not something that kind of came no. up on them quickly, like a big technical innovation um, that just, you know, came out of nowhere. I mean, like, no, you know, and that's really key for people to understand it's not about the pandemic. Sometimes it sounds like, Oh, like this company was doing great. And then the world went to hell and now it's gone bankrupt. That is not what happened. This company has been doing badly for 10 years. Investors have noticed the stock is way down. They tried to sell the company. They don't want it anymore. Lockdown just exacerbated the situation. So these things, you can see them coming most of the time. Very well said. We've had such a wonderful time having you back. Um, give us an update on your business and what people can do to stay in touch with you. And uh, we didn't even talk about what's going on out there in Switzerland. Oh, my goodness. Gosh, well, I was thinking when you were saying that people want to be out more. I was driving home yesterday. We went out for a hike and um, through the middle of Zurich. And there's this big square right in front of the opera house. And that square usually has some people, but you know, not a lot. There were so many people out last night. The weather was beautiful and people were sitting in small groups away from each other, but just packed like so many. They just and I said to my husband, everybody just wants to be out like that's it. They're not even doing anything. They just want to be out. So, um, yeah, we're doing OK here. People are out and about as much as they can safely. And I'm mostly staying locked down to try to just see what happens with this situation. You can tell I'm a little bit of a risk averse pessimist. So that makes oh, me a good no. investor. No, no, it's okay. It makes me a good investor, but a bad uh, socializer. Um, so I'm, I'm writing my newsletter about investing, which is what I send out every two weeks about my investing practice. And it's super fun. And we've got a great community and do calls together and talk about cool companies and what we're looking at. And, um, and then I do my podcast, uh, Invested. And I have a course on how to develop your own investing practice from the emotional side of things, from dealing with things like what we just went through in March called Mostly Invested. And you can find out about all that stuff on my website, daniellethown.com. And you can also find out more about Danielle and all of our thought leaders, guest co-hosts, um, both current alumni. And we're also going to be um, unveiling our new cast in less than a week. And so definitely make sure you are subscribed and stay close to our Instagram stories. Oh, wait, I didn't, did I say our website? Moneywithfriendspodcast.com is our website and our socials are at moneyfriendspod on both Instagram and Twitter. You can tell it has been a hectic morning here at Money With Friends, but we thank everyone for joining us. Thank you so much, especially to Danielle for being a continuing part of our, our alumni community here at Money With Friends. I love chatting with you about these things. It's always so much fun. I always learn stuff from you. So thank you.
Thank you again for being here. Joe will be here tomorrow with another one of our Money with Friends alums. So thanks everyone for joining us. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2020. Ryan Sini and Nicole Thornhill from Pro Podcast Solutions engineered this show, and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be a part of the show. As with anything, remember, you shouldn't take advice from any of us or other video or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends. Money with Friends.